Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for streaming us today. Thanks for joining us. Why don't we just take a moment, wherever you're at, and just let's lift our hands to heaven and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. It's a good day because you made it. And Lord, today we want to lift up all the people on the front lines, the grocery store clerks and managers, the restaurant workers who are preparing food for takeout, the delivery people, doctors and nurses, personal support workers, first responders. There's many people, Lord, even our politicians that are out there on the front lines today serving you, and we ask for your hand of favor and protection to be upon them, that your healing power is flowing through them this day, and you're lifting the curse from our land. Father, we thank you that you're opening the eyes of our heart and the ears of our understanding that today as the Holy Spirit ministers your word that's going to take root in our lives and it's going to produce change inside of our lives. So we thank you for your faithfulness today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm going to read for you the scripture from Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to pick up in verse 1 all the way through to verse 15. Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death, the sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. 
We know that this whole situation that we're all walking through together has thrown many people into a spiral. Some of you are off routine. Some of you are wondering what the new normal is going to look like. And others are like, okay, can we just move forward already? I know for my family, especially the kids, they're going a little bit stir crazy these days. You know, we want to go and do. So I took my one daughter rollerblading yesterday and, you know, we have the treadmill going and the other one goes for runs and we have a trampoline. Uh, It helps. (laughs) But I want to talk to you today about focus. We're going to start a new series on being focused and today's out of focus is where I'm going to start with and really life in a spiral. And have you ever felt like you're walking around in circles? Have you ever felt like you're spinning your wheels, but you're not gaining any traction? Do you feel like you're spiraling downward? Have you compared your life to others? (laughs) How does that leave you? Sometimes we become angry, bitter, jealous, or unhappy. Other times we get into pride and think we're better than everyone else. No matter what you try, it seems that you can't shake it. Has your hope been crushed? Are you feeling overwhelmed with anxiety because the struggle seems to get more intense the more you kick and scream and try to get out of it? Do any of you have no desire to get out of bed each day, let alone engage in the mundane existence? (laughs) Left unchecked, this can become a whirlwind in your life and it'll sweep you away. It'll destroy your moral compass. It'll destroy your faith and it'll destroy your relationships. So I have to ask the question, what are you focused on? If you're like me, if you're focused on something, someone can walk in the room and say something to you, (laughs) and you might not even hear what they say. My kids dislike that I make them put down the iPad, make them pause the video that they're watching, make them stop talking to their friends when I want to give them key information. I kind of got tired of the argument. I didn't hear it or I don't remember You know, so now the consequence for ignoring me one too many times for them is they have to listen to what I'm going to say because I want them to be focused and putting their attention on the words that I'm about to say. I don't know if any of you have ever had a chance to go down to the range like I do on occasion with some of my friends, but when you go down to the gun range to shoot at a target, there's a focus that you have to do and you have to focus and you have to breathe a certain way and you hold the gun a certain way. And as you slowly pull on the trigger, you have to remain focused on the target. Otherwise, you're not going to hit it. I believe that we as Christians especially need to learn to anchor our life to the cross of Christ, to his truth and to faith in the creator God. These are anchors that we can establish in our life that hold us firm in the midst of crisis or in the midst of storm. And we see all through the Bible, there was people that didn't anchor their lives to the truth that the Word of God had. You know, Samson kind of got his eyes off his calling and onto the seductress, Delilah. That kind of circumvented God's ultimate plan for his life, and he had to come back around at the end and get things sorted out. Saul, the king, instead of listening to God and being obedient, he disobeyed God, and it cost him his kingdom. David, well, he, like Samson, got into lust, and man, because David did, though, we have the book of Psalms. <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, they were looking for recognition instead of just trying to honor God. The list goes on, and the list goes on. People got off focus. They weren't focused on 
what Jesus wanted them to be focused on. They got focused on the things of this world. You know, others did focus on what God wanted them to. I mean, look at Abraham's servant, Eleazar. Abraham told him, hey, focus, go find a wife for my son Isaac. So off he went to find a wife. Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the wall. So what did he do? He focused on rebuilding the wall. And it's interesting, even in Nehemiah's case, the enemy came in to try to distract him. But they were able to build the wall anyway with a weapon in one hand and a trowel in the other. Jacob, he focused on Rachel. Took him 14 years to win permission from her father to marry her. Plus another seven so that he could have some flocks when he was done. So this will be a shameless plug. Hey, gentlemen, listen. I assure you I am trustworthy, and after seven years of applying um, your life uh, towards my four daughters, I'll be taking applications. I, I won't break the contract like Laban did, but if you meet my other criteria, seven years will be enough. Jesus, he focused on the cross, and I know we're all glad for that. But we have to start asking ourselves some questions. If your life is out of focus, you kind of have to figure out, why is my life out of focus? So I just put down a few here. The first one that I thought of was, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a follower of Jesus? You know, And we have this right now media that we've made available to all of you. And, and we know that about half of you have signed up and got accounts and are starting to watch some of the content on there. But you know, fan or follower, not a fan, you know, that's a really good series that Kyle Eilman put together. And he talks about, are you one of those people that says, go Jesus? Are you all in? Are you on his team? <clears throat> am I operating in my purpose, in my calling? You have to ask yourself, am I operating how, what God called me to do? Am I producing the fruit of the Spirit inside of my life? Am I seeing love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness come forth? Or am I seeing the works of the flesh, some of which I read a little bit earlier today? Am I serving my family? Yes, you're supposed to serve one another. Am I serving my church? Am I serving my community? Am I honoring God with my substance, my time, my talent? Am I following God's plan for my life? The answer to these questions will help you determine what you're focused on. You know, in Acts 16, it gives us this great example of Paul and Silas, and they're in prison for preaching about Jesus. And they were so focused on their mission that they were singing and praising God in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but if you got thrown in prison for preaching Jesus to other people, how many of you would be singing and praising God at midnight when you're chained to the wall? They looked beyond their circumstance and they were so focused on their mission. They were so focused on what God had called them to do that it didn't really matter what circumstance they found themselves in. They were content and they had joy beyond what people could take away. Because see, when you come to the place in your life where you can praise God no matter what you're facing, no one can put you in prison. But most of the time, what we do is we imprison ourselves because we're not focused on the things that God has asked us to be focused on. We're focused on the things of this world and we compare ourselves to one another and we're trying to compete with others. The culture is really, to some degree, in a spiral as well. It's not just individ individuals, it's the culture. And you've heard it said that civilization depends on the health of the traditional family. 
We see in 1 Samuel 4, 21, it's talking about Phineas's wife, the, the son of the high priest or the daughter-in-law of the high priest, and she had a son. And, you know, she named him Ichabod, which means where is the glory? Because Israel's glory is gone. Other people translate that, the glory has departed. And let me ask you this, have you wondered where the glory of the Lord is? Has it left our land? Is God passed us by? Has he passed us by? Sometimes when you look around, the observations we conclude are pretty dark. But I'm reminded of the account of two prophets, and I'll come back to that in a few minutes. We'll come back to the two prophets. But I want to go to Carl C. Zimmerman. He's a sociologist from Harvard. And in 1947, he postured that there was three types of families in a civilization. The trustee family, the domestic family, and atomistic family. A culture will thrive when there is close bonds within the family and they conform to the traditional roles according to the biblical worldview. And you see this in trustee families and in domestic families to some degree. There's this close-knit family unit and there is also these traditional roles according to what the Bible says. But atomistic families, interesting enough, always consider themselves a more advanced culture. And they have weak bonds in the family unit. It's, it's weak bonds, but they always consider themselves more advanced. And the last level, this atomistic level, is always characteristic by eight specific patterns of behavior that I'm going to give you right now. And it typifies a downward spiral in a culture, a culture that's on decline and about to become <laughs> dangerously close to being non-existent. The first thing that he noted was marriage loses its sacredness. It's frequently broken by divorce. The next thing on Zimmerman's list was the traditional meaning of the marriage ceremony is lost. And we know biblically, according to our beliefs, that marriage is between one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. The third thing that we note the feminist movements abound. So you see this rise in feminism. Number four, there is an increased public disrespect for parents and authority in general. And when I look around, I see disrespect in our culture just about everywhere, from the television shows to walking down the street. There's an acceleration of juvenile delinquency, promiscuity, and rebellion. This is in 1947. He, he was talking about these things. There's a refusal of people with traditional marriages to accept family responsibilities. In other words, people don't want the roles that were set up for them. Number seven, a growing desire for and acceptance of adultery becomes evident within the culture. We've got websites for that now, apparently. Number eight, there's an increased interest in and spread of sexual perversions and sex-related crimes. So Zimmerman, in 1947, listed eight things that he noted happen 100% of the time when you see a culture in decline right before they're conquered or taken over or become non-existent. 
And there's a guy named Rod Dreher. He's commenting on Zimmerman's work, and he said, society is ruled by the atomistic family model with its loosening of constraints on its individual members. Quit having enough children to carry on. They become focused on the pleasures of the present. And we see that happening even in Canada, where you're having less and less children overall. But I want to... I wanna, continue this thought process that Zimmerman started in 1947. And he studied the Roman Empire and the Babylonian Empire and the Greek Empire. And he goes through and he talks about all these things. But I want you to understand something. There's this rise in individualism where we're so focused on our rights and what is good for us as individuals because no one else is going to focus on you. And what happens is churches that are focused on individuals instead of winning souls will not produce enough followers to carry on in the next generation. So any church that focuses more on the individual than it does on winning the lost is going to have a hard time making it into the next generation because they're not going to be reproducing themselves. They're not going to be winning enough people so that they can continue on. And, you know, in the last 25 years, we've seen the decline of many denominations because they got so inward focused, they stopped reaching out and they became ineffective in their ability to win the culture. I think that the primary reason for this is people focused on pleasure more than presence. They focus on pleasure more than prayer, and they certainly focus on pressure more, pleasure more than winning the lost. But there's some good news in this, I think. In 2 Kings 8, if you read verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, you're going to see Elijah and Elisha, two prophets. They were separated by a chariot of fire. First, a chariot of fire comes in with these fiery horses. Then Elijah gets taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. But he left his mantle, he left his cloak, his coat. And Elisha reaches down and picks up Elijah's coat. And Elijah's mantle, with all the grace and enablement for Elisha's ministry, was sitting right there. He had to pick it up and activate it. And really, I believe that God has placed the mantle of his anointing and his enablement and his grace is right there for you. It's sitting on the ground in front of you, and you need to pick it up and become who you're supposed to be. You need to come to the place where you can step into what God has for you and be the man, be the woman that God has called you to be. Be who you were created to be. Stop watching from the sidelines and take up your cloak. Stop wavering. Stop floundering. Don't despair. Snap out of it. Wake up. It's time for the church to arise. This is how we're going to overcome our enemy. We have to put our focus back on where it's supposed to be, on the things of God and the things that God wants us to do. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And in Proverbs 15, 24, the path of life leads upward for the wise. They leave the grave behind. I believe that the first thing that we need to look at as individuals is to stop the downward spiral in our own lives. 
And the way that we do that is if you back up a few verses to Ephesians 2, 4, it tells us, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. We got to understand it's our sin that separates us from God. It's your sin that separates you from the creator. And every one of us has broken God's law. Every one of us has broken his commandments. Every one of us has sinned and been separated from him. But God sent Jesus to earth in his grace and his mercy to make a way for us to be back in relationship with him. He went to a cross. He was crucified and he rose from the dead as we talked about last week. And pretty well every day this week and every day next week and every day the week after the resurrection changes your life. But God made a way for man to be restored to relationship with himself through Jesus. And when Jesus came, he came to eradicate sin in your life. So when you repent of your sin, when you give your life to Christ, repentance, faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, those two things will pave the way for you to receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Simply ask the creator to save you. Put aside the life that you had. Put aside the selfishness. Put aside the self-focus. Put aside the wrong concepts and the wrong ideas about God. And accept him as the loving father that he is. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each man and woman that's listening today. And maybe there's some that have never invited you into their life. And maybe if you're listening and you're hearing this today, just pray this with me. Father, today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I have broken your law, and I've been separated from you. But I have faith that Jesus came to make a way for me. And I thank you, Lord, that you will forgive me as I ask you now. And I can receive forgiveness for my sins. I can receive eternal life. I can receive a new spirit, and I can start serving you with joy. So, Father, I thank you today for each person that prayed that prayer today, that you're going to quicken them in the work you began in them. Your word says you'll be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, they're going to put up a, a, a little bit of information on the screen. They're going to put our church phone number, and they're going to put an email address. If you could, just send us your name and maybe your phone number, your name, and your email and I'll have one of our pastoral team members call you this week to help you with the beginning stages of your journey with Jesus. So feel free to write that down right now while they've got that up. And if you prayed that prayer today, give us a call. Send us an email, and someone will call you this week, and we'll talk about it. Which leads me now to, what are you focused on? We have to learn to look ahead to the glory that sits before us. I've been teaching my daughter to drive, and I'm trying to teach her, and she's doing a really good job of this, but she has to look down the road. You have to look down the road. You can't look at the jogger over here, and you can't look at the road right in front of you. You have to look 
down the road. They say up to 15 seconds down the road, you should be looking to where the car is going to be 15 seconds later so you have time to react and adjust. She learned this really good the other day because when I picked her up from her shift at work and she was driving home around midnight, um, she was looking down the road and as a coyote ran out in front of her and then a few minutes later a cat, she was like, man, what's with the wildlife tonight, Dad? (laughs) But there's value in looking down the road and we as humans, you need to look down the road because what's going to happen after you finish this life? What's going to happen when you come to the end of your journey? You better make some preparations for the next life because it's eternal. It goes on and on and on. It does not end. This life is finite. This life is temporary. This life is nothing. It's quick. Let's invest in our future. Let's invest in the life that is to come. And I try to get this scripture in as many sermons as I can in an average year. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4. This is what Jesus, when he walked into the synagogue, he picked this up and he read right from the book of Isaiah. But I'm going to read it from Isaiah. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against our enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. We have to stop the downward spiral. And when we start focusing on the things that Jesus has called us to do, you will find that your life becomes like a great oak tree that God has planted for his glory. And the wind of life will blow, but you will not waver, you will not move, and you will not fall down because you're going to have roots that go down deep into his word and you're going to have roots that go down deep into God. I heard someone say, and I don't even know who said it, but it says, What consumes your mind controls your life. If you change your focus, you can change your thinking. If you're thinking about the wrong things, today is your day. Today is the day that you need to start changing the way that you think. Start conforming your mind or changing your mind so that you believe that the word of God is true. Start believing that what the Bible says is true and start applying that to your life. Start confessing it over your life. Start speaking it out over your life. Because what you're thinking about all the time is going to control you. It's going to dominate you. And all of your thoughts and your energy and your effort is going to be in that direction. And some people are thinking in the wrong direction right now. And you're reaping the fruit of that in your tormented mind every day. So we need to start thinking in the right direction. We start, start thinking about that God loves us, that God has a plan for us, that God has a purpose through us, that he's made his peace and his love available to us. We don't have to be afraid or anxious. He's given us these promises in his word, and we need to start claiming them over our life and speaking out the word of God over our life. Colossians 3.2, we read it at the very beginning. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Where is your focus today? Are you thinking about heavenly things or earthly things? Which one are you more focused on? Because what you're more focused on is where your mind's going to be, and that's what's going to be consuming your thought. And if you're finding yourself in a downward spiral, my gut read is you're thinking about earthly things, not heavenly things. 
Because if you're thinking about heavenly things, you're going to have the mind of Christ. You're going to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. You're going to be walking in love. You're going to have the joy of the Lord despite your circumstance. Because it really doesn't matter what's going on all around you. It's what's going on inside you, which we're going to get to next week, that God's concerned about. In Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Again, the scriptures tell us time and time again we have to focus our thoughts. You know, I, I, I like to read. <laughs> I like to read articles. I like to read books. I like to read things, and I do. But what happens is I find I'll check the news in the morning just to get the headlines and find out what's going on. But I find if I keep going back and keep going back and keep going back and keep going back, there's a lot of negative information out there. And we all are nosy. We like to know what's going on in everyone else's life. And we like to know everybody's business in the community and what's going on. But the truth is, you know, there's some good news out there and there's some good things that God is doing right now. But I think if you're so focused on the devastating things that are happening all around us, you're not going to start focusing on the positive things that God is doing and the great opportunity that we have as his people, and you're never going to pick up the mantle that God has. This is why it's so important that we are controlled by the Holy Spirit so we can take on his nature and start doing the things that he's called us to do. How many people I've talked to over the years, and they're like, well, I want to do it. I'm like, well... I didn't call you to do it. God's the one that called you to do it. He's the one that made you. He created you. And you know what? He's equipped you, whether you realize that or not. He gave you the grace and the ability to do the things that he's calling you to do. And everybody has a different role. Everybody has a different function. We know this. But if you operate in what God has called you to do and you think along the lines of what the Spirit of God is directing you to do, we don't have to be insecure. We don't have to feel less than. We need to be secure in our calling and that God has put me in this place for such a time as this. And this is the mantle that he's given me. And as you start operating in that mantle, you're going to see the miracle working power of God inside of your life. You're going to see, as Jesus talked about in Isaiah 61, the captives are going to be set free. The good news is going to go to the poor. The chains are going to be broken. The enslaved people to the sins of this world are going to find the life and the light of Jesus Christ who's going to break the chains off of their life. And you can be an instrument or a vessel, to use the biblical language, that God is going to fill for his glory and his presence. And you will be a part of that. And you'll be well rewarded for doing the things that God has called you to do. Ultimately, we have to trust God. We have to come to the place where our faith is in him and we trust him that no matter what he asks us to do, no matter where he asks us to go, no matter what he asks us to say, we can do it with confidence knowing that he's got our back and he's going to see us through and he's walking right beside us. And things don't always look like we think they should, but God is still moving and working and utilizing the situation for his purposes. When you fix your thoughts, according to Philippians 4.8, God will begin to fix your thinking. If you start thinking on the right things, your thoughts will start coming into alignment. You'll start thinking the right things. You'll start coming to the right conclusions. And when you start coming to the right conclusions, you're going to get the right results inside of your life. 
But when you think about the wrong things, everybody will tell you, when you think about the wrong things, you're going to end up in the wrong place. Anyone that's ever struggled with addiction will tell you if you're thinking about the wrong things and not controlling your mind and directing your thoughts to where they're supposed to go, to things that are maybe truth and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, things that are excellent or things that are praiseworthy. Think about those things. But if you think about some other things, you might end up in the wrong place because your thoughts will always precede your actions. So we have to start directing our thoughts. If you're going to focus, focus on the right things today. Stop the downward spiral in your personal life. And together, if we all start stopping this downward spiral in our personal life, maybe we can start calling out to God like they do in 2 Chronicles 7.14 and start believing him that he's going to heal our land and restore us to wholeness. And maybe our culture will have a renewal Because see, revival, which we're all praying for, is for the church to wake up and start taking their place and start getting the junk out of your lives. We all want to see revival in our lives. We want to be revived to life and holiness in our relationship with God. But we need a renewal. We need a move of God in our culture. We need the masses to come into the church and hear the good news of the kingdom. And this only happens as God's people humble themselves and pray. In the book of Psalms 19, verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And you know what? I think David sums it up really good. Lord, let me speak and let me think about in my heart. Let those things that I speak and think about, the things I meditate on, the things I dwell on, let it please you, God. And he understands that God is his rock, his foundation, his firm footing, and his redeemer, the one that purchased him back to himself. And for all of you today, let's covenant together that we're going to speak forth words of life, that we're going to speak forth words of hope, we're going to speak forth peace, and we're going to operate with the motive of love because Christianity is rooted in love. We've, we've gone over this and over this and over this. The words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart. What do you really believe inside? What is your core belief? What is your core value? Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Do you really believe that Jesus died for you, that he made a way for you? Do you really believe that he forgave you of your sins? Or do you believe that, well, that might be true for everybody else, but it's not true for me? That's not what the Bible says. You got a wrong belief. But too many people, far too many people, don't conclude properly because they don't understand truth. There is a lot of deception out there in the culture today. Deception's everywhere. When you turn on the news, you don't even know if you're getting truth or you're lying. How do you discern what's truth and lie? You better have the Holy Spirit in you that's going to kind of tell you, hey, this is truth. This resonates. This is truth. This is life. This is going to produce hope. This is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit inside of your life. But we have to be aware that there's deception. And I've learned that the more truth in a deception, the harder it is to figure out that it's a deception. So 99% truth plus 1% lie is harder to discern, usually, than 50% lie and 50% truth. 
And that's why it's so important that you stay connected to the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that we align our lives with God's purposes. That's why we're reading our Bibles every day. That's why we're praying every day. That's why we're staying connected to the body of believers as best we can right now. That's why we talk with other people that encourage us in the faith. That's why we listen to some of the teaching that's on right now media that's going to speak to our spirit and encourage us and build us up. This is why we do these things. Why? Because we want the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart to align with our truth, that we're standing on God's promises, that we're standing on his solid foundation, and we are ever so grateful that he shed his blood for us so that he can make a way for us to be restored to relationship with him. And you know, we're going to take communion in a moment, so if you are at home and you want to take a moment and and go prepare some elements if you didn't have a chance to do that ahead of time. Grab a cracker and some grape juice or whatever you have available. But I think we have to understand your focus is really important because what you're focusing on is where you're going to end up. And we have good thoughts and we have bad thoughts. We have God thoughts and we have devil thoughts. We even have human thoughts, human spirit thoughts. But the word of God is where you want to put your focus. You want to start focusing in that direction on the truth that he's given you, that you can overcome this, that you can walk through this, that you can operate in love, that he can heal the brokenness in your life, that you are not beyond repair, that you are not alone, that you are not forsaken, that you are not incurable because Jesus makes a way. He restores all things. He makes all things new. He starts with your heart. And as you transform your mind to his word, a lot of times it'll start having a physical manifest in your natural man. I want to read to you Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. For some of you, your focus problem is because you don't know how to sit still in his presence. You know, there's another place that talks about you want to renew your strength, you wait on the Lord. It's in the stillness. It's in the quiet place. But God's going to be honored in every nation, with or without you. (laughs) He's going to be honored throughout the whole world. And in this last day harvest, in this last days that we live in, you can either be a part of that or not. But we have to come to that place of stillness in our life, where we're listening to his voice, where we're hearing him call us, we're hearing his instructions, and we're obeying. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was, the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, and he he was instituting this covenant meal for his disciples. And we know that the bread, it just, it represents his broken body. And I know some of you might come in and tune in today from a different theological background, but it's a representative of what Christ did. He was broken. His body was broken so that we could be made whole. And this is our celebration meal 
for the work that Jesus did at the cross. He was crucified and he died for you because he loved you so much. He paid the price for your sin. He paid your sin debt that you couldn't pay. So Father, as we have the bread in our hand today, I thank you that you're restoring us to wholeness. In the places where we're the most broken, God, I thank you that you're the most able and the most powerful and you're healing hearts all over our city and nation, even to the nations of the earth right now. I thank you, Father, that we, your people, can sit quietly in your presence and be encouraged to be restored, to be healed. And I release your healing power now that every lonely heart, that every anxious heart, that every fearful heart, that every broken heart is being healed, mended, restored. Because you were willing to endure brokenness so that we could be made whole. And everyone whose mind is giving them a hard time right now and it's racing here and there, Father, I speak your peace right now. Just like Jesus commanded the storm to be calm, I command calm and peace to the minds that are racing. We don't have to be afraid. And I thank you for the broken body of Jesus today. And we partake now, amen. When we look at the cup, which represents his blood, which was spilled for us, it was shed, every drop, to pay the price of your sins, every drop to pay the pace of my sins. And Lord, I ask today, as we have the cup in our hand, that you are uniting your people all over this community in purpose. That heart to heart we can join and lift up the name of Jesus so that the name of the Lord will be honored. The name of the Lord will be exalted. And I know that my Bible tells me that if we lift up Jesus, he will draw men and women to him. So Father, we want to lift up Jesus and honor Jesus with our life today. Help us to focus our thoughts on you, Lord. Help us to focus on the things that you've asked us to do, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your word and your command, especially the one that says love others and love you. Today, Father, I thank you that hell's grip is released from people's lives that any demonic attack or assault has to leave because the blood of Jesus is present in our lives. And that we can stand confident in you, that you are completing us, that you are causing us to prosper in all that we do, that your hand is upon us, and that we humbly can serve you each day. In Jesus' name.
So I'd like to encourage all of you right now. This would be a good time to prepare the tithes and the offerings, and I thank you for your faithfulness in this area, Windsor Christian Fellowship. I'd like to encourage some of you that maybe don't go to our church or just tuning in for the first time, if you'd consider maybe a 10 or a $20 donation to support the ongoing ministries here at Windsor Christian Fellowship, that would be greatly appreciated, especially if the message of hope has blessed your life today. I will note this. Um, with the e-transfers, there is a daily limit that the Banking Act has uh, instituted. So if for whatever reason that gets rejected, just try again the next day. Uh, and thank you for your patience with us. We can only receive so much in a day. It's kind of an anti-fraud or an anti-money laundering rule that they kind of have in place with the e-transfers. But we do thank all of you for your faithfulness in this area. And we know that God is faithful. You know, I was talking with my daughter and I said, you know, you put your tithes in every week, and even though your business shut down for a day, God caused it to reopen, and you're getting all kinds of shifts right now. I believe that's because you're a tither. I believe that's because you're sowing into his kingdom, and God is making a way for you to have income, even when many others around you are not. And I'm going to stand firm on the truth of God's word of seed time and harvest. And we put him first in our hearts, seek first his kingdom, and he will give us the food, clothing, and shelter that we need. Father, I thank you as we receive the tithes and the offerings now that you are faithful to your people. I thank you, Lord, that you rebuke the devourer from our lives and that we will come through this stronger and better financial shape than we were going into it because we're purposing to honor you and you are the God of miracles. So, Father, I ask you to work miracles all over our, all over our congregation, all over the world, Lord in the lives of your believers who are sowing in faith this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for streaming with us today. God bless you all. We will look forward to seeing you next time. Have the best week ever.